Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. So I was in the shower, I was cleaning my ass and making all shirts all sparkly, spanky clean. I'm not the funny one, I'm the pretty one. Cock shots. <laughs> I just checked myself out. Music, wine, and then blue bump. The glory holds like a, a like dick theater. I imagine you're kind Which means your pants had better come off. Mama needs playtime. <laughs> We're not sluts. We just love love. This is Mrs. Atom. And this is Mr. Adam. Welcome back for another By the By. Yeah, and uh, I'm pretty excited about this one. Uh-huh. Yeah. And why are you excited? Because we have a very special guest who, you know, I have I have talked about, I have tweeted at, I've tweeted, uh, I've retweeted. Um, we have someone in our, our living space mm-hmm. who uh, I think we both have a small crush on. And who's that? It's the illustrious Lucy B. I really hope so. <laughs> <laughs> like, in regards to the crush thing, I'm like, yeah, you know. <laughs> I mean, come on! You're completely crushworthy. Who you're, would? Yeah, you're yeah. you're absolutely adorable, <laughs> and you like you you like the first time I think I really remember meeting you face to face was you came to our first pendulum party. So mm-hmm. for me to say he, he had a minor panic attack. I had a major yeah. panic attack, <laughs> and I was talking to 15 year old Bradford, and I said, "See this 15 year old Bradford? Someday you will host a party, and a porn star will come." <laughs> <laughs> no, so this is the thing. It's like. Um, and I, I think we've, we've had this conversation <laughs> briefly before now, but I'm like, I signals, I'm just like, what? I don't know when I got shit at signals. I'm not <laughs> sure when that was, but now it's just like, I don't actually uh, talk to people if I think they're attractive. I have crushes on, like, on them, like, but I do talk to them, but I just talk to them about like, really benign shit. I'm just like, hi, <laughs> is that funny? Oh my God. <laughs> and it's just terrible. Like, it's terrible. And several people. It is kind of cute. Yeah, to to watch you air quotes work. (laughs) Right, but it's just like so. um, Obviously, I went to Pendulum, and I was like, I wanted to talk to you guys, but I'm like, no, they're hosting a party. I should just like don't interrupt them, Luke. Oh oh my god! But that's the point of the party. Yeah, I know. So (laughs) now I'm gonna have to go to the next one and make up for what like Uh mistakes I made at the first. And the whole time you were at the first one, I'm like, don't talk to her. She's famous. (laughs) <laughs> oh god, no, no! And so, so you're both terrible. We at are, this. yeah, yeah. Like, we just we suck yeah. at this. That's Perhaps fine. we should go back to passing notes in class. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, will you go to Pendulum with me? Check yes, yes or no. Hey. No, see, this is the thing. I I meet people sometimes, particularly when I'm. I haven't gotten used to the fact that because of things I've done, people will know me from different places. So I was walking down the street in Melbourne uh, just recently, and someone called my name. And I was, I had my headphones on and I was like pre-coffee. So I was like, I could just ignore this. I could keep on walking and no one would think anything of it because they're noise cancelling headphones. So, (laughs) but I'm not that, I'm not that girl. So I turned around and it was someone and I walked up and I was like, Hey, and he was really great. He was like, we haven't met before. And I was like, Oh, okay. (laughs) And I still gave, I was like, 
dude, like, I'm a hugger. That's what I do. So I gave him, like, I gave him a hug. And he was like, I really love what you do. And asked me about some stuff. He's like, you've been doing so much stuff. Like, and I was like, thanks so much. And nodded on for a bit. And I think I'm always more excited than the person who is meeting me because I'm still, like, so overwhelmed by the fact that someone is pleased to see me who I don't directly know. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, hey! <laughs> it happened at Lush once. And the girl was really cute. And she was like serving me and like I was buying like 8,000 bath bombs because that's what you do when you go to Lush and she was like uh, I saw you on the ABC and it was really great and I was like oh really thank you so much oh my god and it was just terrible like it was absolutely <laughs> like I just I lose the ability to speak like a, a normal person and I bumble on and then leave the store being like oh fuck what were you doing Adorably awkward. Why? That's okay. Yeah, and this is the thing. I think sometimes people get the the thing that like the geek thing or the nerd thing or the dork thing is like a gimmick, and I'm like, no, no, I am, I am that socially fucked. I assure you. <laughs> hey, um, so uh, yeah, it's like, I mean, it's it's cool to be doing things that uh, mean things to like mean something to people, and it's cool mm. to be someone that. Um, is at least saying stuff that people are really like getting in on and listening to like, that's really awesome. Um, but it's like, rather than take that for granted, I'm like legitimately honored when people are like, I've read your stuff or I've seen you on the internet or I've done that. And even when it comes to porn, that being said, the exception is like dating websites when I'm like on a dating, like, like Bumble or like (laughs) Tinder. And someone's like, I'm a fan of your work. And I'm like, you're not referring to the activism. Are you (laughs) cool? (laughs) Um, And some people manage to do it in a really unseedy way. And some people not so much. Um, Cause I love the porn and I love making the porn. And if someone says, I really enjoyed the porn, like that's cool. But, like, some people just make it real gross. And you're just like going, oh, cool, thanks. I'm going to go now. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and, and I, mean, I mean, I'm starting to use these apps again. And I'm just like, oh, God, what, what, what am I, oh, no. There you go, folks. If you, if you, if you swipe right on, on Lucy and she swipes right on you, don't mention the porn. No, see, okay, there's We're ways to mention the porn. Doing it in a Just be like you did this really cool scene and it was super great. Like, that's cool, but just be, like, heavy breathing. <sighs> I really like your work. Well, that's really hard to type, though, over Tinder. Do you know what? Some people manage. It's usually just like, mmm, yeah, you did the porn. I'm like, well, you noticed that, did you? Because <laughs> I, also, I also noticed that. I was there. And like, nine out of ten people will be like, I saw you in fake taxi, and I'll be like... Yes, they're like, did you know it was fake? I'm like, yeah, I did know it was fake taxi. Oh, oh my God. The website was called fake taxi. I didn't just be like, hmm, here's a good way to skip my fare. I'm going to fuck this cab driver. Like, it's just, you sit there and you're like, come now. So, so we, did have, we did have a cab driver pick us up from our secret spot mm-hmm. a few months ago. Um, and you could tell within the first couple of kilometers that he, wanted, he had something he needed to say to he, us. He, he knew where he picked us up. And he yeah. goes, well, how are you having a good night? Yeah. He goes, well, where, where were you? Like, well, we were at a party near there. He goes, I know what kind of parties go on there. <laughs> and he said that he'd been to 
to Couples Club. Yeah. He'd been to the other one. And, <laughs> and so he was like, you know, I know, he's like, I, I can't go to our secret spot because I'm a single guy. And so basically mm-hmm. the whole conversation goes up. Like, how are the parties? Or did you, is it fun? He gets about a kilometer away from our place and he goes, could I watch you guys have sex? I just want to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, I got to be honest, if it hadn't been 2 a.m., I'd have been like, sure, buddy, come on Actually, up. I think it was more like 3.30, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, come on up. We're not paying the fare. <laughs> yeah. I legitimately think I've had that conversation with a cab driver. And the funny, do you know what the funny thing is? I have like Uber drivers who pick me up from like brothels, from other places. They'll pick me up somewhere where I'm quite well-dressed. I'm a well-dressed woman going to a hotel Sometimes they will make assumptions, and you can tell they've made assumptions because they'll be like, "Where, where are you go? What are you doing? You having a good night?" So I'll be like, "Yeah, cool. I'm going. I'm, I'm doing this thing. I'm, I'm a worker. This is what I do." And instead of going down the sexy route, I will preach to them about the merits of decriminalization. And um, <laughs> I actually, there's, there's an amazing Australian activist named Jane Green, and Jane said that when she goes on um, planes. She will talk to people that she sits next to about decrim. And I have, like, ever since I heard her say that, I'm like, okay, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. So every time I get the chance uh, and someone goes, what do you do? And I'm like, well, <laughs> fun story. That's smart, though, because no, it gets the word out. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah, and it, it also means that I'm able to sort of explain things in a really uh, down-to-earth and, yeah. and relaxed way um, because a lot of people don't know about it. And, and when you say to people, like, yeah, look, you know, when I'm in Melbourne, I can't you know, people can't come to me. I have to go to them. So I'm either going to a hotel or someone's house and, you know, I don't really want to go to someone's house all the time. And, you know, I can't do these services in this particular state or I'm required to have health testing in this way by law when, you know, I really take care of my health myself. And when you talk about it to people um, and you talk about how, you know, ludicrous some of these laws are, um, they go, wow, that's that's actually really, really stupid. And it's particularly, like, older Australian men will be like, wow, you know, that's a bit shit. And I'll be like, yeah, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like it's an opportunity to sort of explain things. And I think the other thing is because, I mean, you've got to understand when I'm going, like, in a – if I sometimes I'm not well-dressed. Sometimes I look like a small midgety nerd. Um, <laughs> and I'm like – Which is adorable in itself. Yeah. I'm just, I look really chill. And then I'm like, yeah. So I do porn. Like, I don't start with I do porn. I'm just like, oh, I'm a sex worker. Yeah. And they're like, boop. <laughs> I'm like, so, well. All right. So we've got a, a number of our listeners are from the States. Um, and I, I mean, I don't know if you know this, but we're from the States. Um, and oh, my God. What? I know, right? I thought you were Australian. <laughs> I know, mate. I'm leaving. <laughs> um, but, you know, let's, let's. A few questions as to, you know, just the sex work in mm-hmm. general. Um, so I guess the first question that I know a lot of people would have is, were you forced into the sex work? Because, you know, we hear mm-hmm. a lot of things, and I know you know who we're talking about, um, yeah. when they say that the only women who do sex work are women who are forced into it because they either can't do something else or they don't mm-hmm. have a choice. And I know I'm, I'm starting off yeah. a question with you, you know, within the first 10 minutes. That's a very, I can see you're like seething. Which <laughs> no, I think it's like, I think it, I think part of it is like, and I've said, I think maybe I've said this before, but I have a really boring origin story and I refer to it as an origin story because I'm a nerd. You're a fucking superhero. That's <laughs> I'm why. I'm a comic book nerd and that's how we roll. But it's like, um, I, I literally, I was, I worked, I mean, I didn't, 
I didn't finish school. You know, I finished half of my HSC, which is the end of year exams here in Australia. Um, and I was, I was doing it half and half because my mum was quite unwell. So while I was doing my schooling, I was also working in a bookstore because I wanted to help, um, you know, pay, pay the rent and stuff like that. Um, and my mum, who was super supportive and just an awesome human being, had, um, had had meningitis a couple of times. Um, yeah, a couple of times. Not just once, a couple, because she doesn't do things by half. I love you, mum, <laughs> but shit. Um, <laughs> So, you know, I, I had to, I had to sort of help out at home a lot more. And it's funny because I'll be like, well, I've, people will be like, you know, they'll talk to me and I'll be like, I've been working since I was like 14. And they think, I immediately think I mean the sex industry. And I'm like, yeah. no, <laughs> calm me down. <laughs> um, I've been working on and off in like bookstores for like 10 years. Um, so, you know, I, in addition to doing that, you know, we eventually moved from my hometown to, to Canberra and in Canberra I worked in the public service and one day I sort of woke up and I was like, I really hate what I'm doing and if I have to go back another day, I, do, I don't think I can do this. Uh, so I left and I had to sort of investigate what else I was going to do. I was like administration or retail and I had a good friend who worked in the industry in a massage parlor and she said, why don't you do what I do? Well, give what I do a try because we'd gone to some of the same parties. Um, she's like super, super hot. Uh, she goes by Scarlet. You should go to Red Door in Canberra because that's where she works. <laughs> um, and um, I went and I gave it a go and I, lo- I just loved it. Like I, I loved it. I got to, you know, it was erotic massage. Um, you have to understand that like, you know, so I, I talk about myself. I'm like, I'm a massive nerd. I'm a biscuit. And that's very true. I didn't have a huge amount of confidence in myself sexually in the sense that I went to some cool parties and I did some cool stuff and I, I met people whose interests I shared. And, you know, I was being exposed to people who found me attractive, but at the same time, I, I for some reason, didn't totally believe it. Some of that's mental health, you know, yeah. uh, and some of that's just... I think we're all there to some degree. Exactly. I understand exactly yeah. where you're exactly. coming from. Exactly. When you go to somewhere where people have to pay money to spend time with you, things change a little bit because you're like, wow, they could have spent time with any of these people and they chose to spend time with me and they're paying for it. Okay, maybe I'm not as shit as I thought, you know. So... Also, I didn't have to wear pants at work, which was just great. Like that's, that's a big bonus, right? I'm just like fuck yeah. I'm very jealous of that. One. Yeah. yeah. So it's like cool. I mean, I, I I like you know I wasn't confident in my body, but I liked my body and I liked working with my hands in a sexy way. So I stuck with it, and then I took a break for a little while, and then I went back to it. Um, and in addition to that, at the same time, you know, I started doing men's magazine work, you know, like I, I went and did a photo shoot and it was submitted to like picture or people magazine and they published it. And I was like, Holy shit. Like I think I've won butte butt in the back of like picture or people like three times. I'm like, yes, <laughs> um, I'm not busty enough to get top tits, but that's fine. I'm a very much a piece with that now. Um, but you know, so then these photos started being published and I was like, wow, okay. And you know, I started to realize from meeting a lot of different men and my, my clients are primarily men in the beginning, um, that for all I thought I knew what men wanted, I had no idea. Um, and 
it's it's weird in the sense that I knew that in my personal life because I was meeting all these different people and I was going to kink parties and I was going to, um, you know, swingers parties and stuff and having a great time. Uh, for some reason, that hadn't transitioned over fully. So then I started working in the industry and I started getting booked so much and I was like, wow, okay, you know, I've been exposed to this notion of what women should look like and what is sexy and what is attractive. And I know that's not right. But for some reason, going into this industry and, and in the professional sense really hammered that home for me. Mm. Um, and it was sort of a natural progression from there. I started doing porn. I, I Once I'd done porn, I was like, why not escort? You know, I'm not really afraid of the sex, so let's give it a go. Did it, enjoyed it, and I've just kept on, like, you know, keep on keeping on since then, so... It's it's an interesting point that you make talking about what men want, mm. and it's I think it's a fascinating commentary to see. You know, we we often think that what men want are tall, big-breasted, blonde women, and when you look at the escorts that are successful escorts, all the successful escorts we know, mm. I'm taller than many of them, and mm-hmm. I am not a tall fella. I'm five mm-hmm. eight, five nine. Um, most of them are petite ladies mm-hmm. with dark hair, and you know. And big eyes. I think it's the eyes. I'm a firm believer that you can have, you know, take all the tall, big, breasted, blondes. It doesn't matter if they have big eyes, sweet Mm -hmm. eyes. That's what that's what men want. And and I think the other thing about it was like I I realized that like I think I think it's interesting you mentioned porn. You look like you're about to say something. No, 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 go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'll chime in momentarily. But you, you mentioned porn. I was like, when, so everyone's like, how did you come to the decision to make porn? Someone on Twitter, uh, I know who on Twitter, it was Sam Rosie, who is uh, a, an amazing Australian performer who's, who's since left the industry and is now, you know, a DJ and a business owner and is just uh, an all-round amazing human being, sent me a message saying, hey, babe, have you, have you done any porn? And... I literally said not yet. That was the decision-making process. Yeah. Not yet. Um, and that's great. You know, be open to everything and don't mm-hmm. say no to anything. Exactly. Yeah. So I just, I went and I did two scenes, um, which were like boy-girl scenes and quite tame. And then they were like, do you want to come back and do two other scenes? You know, one is one is this girl-girl-boy scene, like threesomes. And I was like, I like a threesome. That's cool. And they're like, yeah, the other one's like a boy-boy-girl and it's going to be like quite hardcore and a bit, you know, um, a bit rough. And I was like, yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing. I mean, my, my, personal, I my personal interests. Uh, and I remember I actually hooked up with my, um, my co-performer. I was staying in a really nice hotel. I ended up hooking up with my one of my co-performers, like in this really nice hotel. Um, sorry, Jamie. Um, and and um, <laughs> we had this like thing, and then we went back and shot some porn. And I was like, this is the greatest. Um, I fucking love porn. Um, so you know, and then I I continued to get some work, and I remember being so shocked because again, you know, I'd watched porn. I'd watch some great porn and I'd also watch some porn that was very much like, yeah, this is the body and this is the face. But I mean, some of my favorite porn performers didn't fit that mold, you know, Joanna Angel and Stoya and stuff like that didn't fit that mold. And, and it was funny that I would watch their stuff, but I still hadn't sort of, I was still so nervous and so, um, terrified that I wouldn't, you know, I'm like, Oh, I'm going to do this one porn and then no one's going to, no one's going to want to shoot me again. And that wasn't the case. Um, 
And it's definitely coloured, you know, I mean, everything I've learned over that time has definitely influenced, you know, the sort of porn that I want to shoot and the sort of porn I want to create. And I'm not shooting a lot at the moment because my focus is very much on creating my own stuff because I'm a a massive pervert and I have a to-do list and it just (laughs) seems easier for me to get through that myself, Mm. you know. But I will say that as far as, as like what you were saying, Bradford, about uh, the escorts that are successful and even those that in, in porn that are successful, is it's not necessarily the, like you said, the tall, blonde, big-boobed kind of ladies. It is it is someone who looks, I would say, a lot of the physical characteristics that you mentioned, but also who who's, looks real and approachable. Yeah. And someone who is... Maybe just out of reach, mm-hmm. but still, maybe if you try really hard, could be reachable. Yeah, and that's a perfect. I think that's a really good way to yeah. describe it. It's, yeah. it's that's right. Someone who's just out of reach. Yeah, and I think it's like it's funny. We talk about the girl next door, and for a long time, the girl next door is supposed to be like yeah. this one look. But now, in reality, it's like the girl next door could be anybody. Yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. I think it, one of the things about it is like, um. Porn right now, I would say, is super performer-driven. So I think one thing we're having to deal with tube sites, which are just shit because they steal a lot of content. Um, And for as much as they say, you know, you can put something on your content digitally so it won't get stolen, I'm like, that's not how it works. And you know that's not how it works. And for every time a scene is uploaded on those sites, you know, you can't come up with a takedown notice fast enough. You know, it's just going up at a huge rate. Because then somebody's copying it and then they're going to put it up again. Correct. For the record, we are talking about PornTube, RedTube, all those, Pornhub, that shit. Um, Again, that is content that is not owned by them they are yeah. just a media conglomerate and one of the other things i like you know i like to bring up is the fact that sometimes you see amateur porn on there and maybe sometimes it's two people who got a little sexy got a little hot and wanted to upload it like their home movies but at the same time sometimes it could be someone who doesn't know that that's uploaded Revenge porn. and exactly. doesn't know that that's on yeah. the internet exactly. and we face another like an entirely other set of issues there and the other thing is uh, you know I can usually find if stuff of mine has been put online by searching several buzzwords or keywords. But there's every possibility that there's the average, stuff out there. But the average person couldn't do that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And the other thing is even there's even stuff that I find has been put up of me that I'm it's brought to my attention by by punters, you know, by people who consume the porn because I wouldn't have even thought to search that way. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there's no guarantees. Yeah. But I think one of the benefits of right now is that it's in, incredibly performer driven. You know, we create these spaces for ourselves online through Twitter and stuff like that and people get to communicate with us and tell us what they like to see. You've got stuff like OnlyFans, which means we can let people into this sort of erotic part of our life you know look I got changed into this cute outfit or look I'm in the shower or look I'm this and and it's very much about personality and people have performers that they enjoy so they go and they seek out that content where it is like uh one of my friends Kim Combs has an amazing website and creates amazing content um and it's very much driven by the fact that she has this this amazing fan base who love to see what she's going to create and what she's doing next um so you know, it's definitely on the horizon for me, um, but my my feeling in regards to it is less like let's create scenes that tick these boxes. And and yeah. for me at the moment, it's very much like, okay, here's a list of my fantasies and here's a list of my memories, and let's shoot a bit of both. And and in, in shooting things like that are memories for me, I'm I'm not in those scenes. I'm shooting with other performers because. 
I enjoy seeing my memories played out in front of me by really attractive <laughs> people. I think that's genius, though. Yeah. I mean, that's the kind of porn I would want to consume is mm. like a porn star's favorite memories. Yeah. Like, it's like your greatest hits, but without you in it. I think that yeah. right there is kind of amazing. Um, yeah. Because I think it's something that we can all sort of identify with as well. It's because when I think about my favorite memories, oftentimes I've put porn stars in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've taken Bradford out and put a porn star in. And so that's fair enough. And it's just like, it's just, you know, one of the things I thought about, you know, I've wanted to create a content site for a really long time and it's taken a really long time for me to get it together. And it's going to probably take a little bit longer for me to fully get to where I want it to be. Um, and that's purely because it's it's a labor of love for me entirely. Um, it's important that I make sure that my performers are treated well, they're paid fairly, um, and that we make really comfortable and safe environments for shooting to happen. Um, and as I've worked in this industry now, I know what worked for me and what didn't. So I'm more aware of what I want for the performers that I work with. But also it's finding the right performers. You know, I want people who are able to really let go um and you know it can be difficult to find that it can be difficult to find that i i personally there's an element of performance in pornography obviously i mean there's times in in scenes where i've had to make more noise than i would normally make i'm more of a heavy breather than a screamer it's just how i roll but sometimes they need me to say things and, and and make more noise so that the people who are interacting with it visually can understand um that being said, I, I don't set those kind of parameters for the performers that I want to work with because I really want something that's supernatural and super organic. And, you know, sex can look so many different ways. Um, and it could be really loud and really noisy and really crazy or it could be really quiet. And that doesn't – it doesn't matter. So a, a lot of – you know, a lot of what we're doing with this is for – for every scene that we've got, we're also looking to um, create some more educational content to go with it so that, you know, um, with just enough to titillate, but not so much that we get kicked off YouTube, um, you know, um, so that we can say, hey, what worked about this? What was great? What was hot? What wasn't? You know, oh, God, we had to stop midway through and you had to move positions on that chair yeah. because fuck that chair. Um, but, yeah. you know, because sex in of itself is supposed to be, you know, it can be really serious. Can, I mean, I love rough sex, so it can be incredibly serious. It can be dark, but... Inherently, it's supposed to be joyful yeah. and fun. Yeah. And We've often said that about sex. Yeah. Because the number of times that we laugh during sex, and even there's times that you just start laughing uncontrollably, uncontrollably and we have to stop for a moment. Yeah, so exactly. And we don't include that in a lot of porn. Yeah. yeah. And we need to. And it's a shame. Because we've and I've seen blooper porn. Yeah. And you're like, oh, this is really approachable. These people look real. Yeah. And yeah. that's the thing. And, and we've said commonly when... Um, when we talk about our sex ed stuff, mm-hmm. is that most people's sex education comes from either you know doing it themselves, mm-hmm. uh, which is terrible, or most porn, which is mm-hmm. the equivalent of learning about physics from Star Trek. Exactly. And sure, it's close, but it's not real. There's this notion that I think when you make porn that you think all porn is great, and I'm like, no, no, no. There's some porn that is incredibly problematic. Um, And as much as I love porn, I can acknowledge that. I can acknowledge that there's problems with porn. Um, And we want to get more porn out there that's that's less problematic. But at the same time, I think a lot of the problems with porn could be alleviated by ensuring that people have a good, like, 
porn sex education in the yes. sense that yes. we teach young people to be incredibly media savvy with all other sorts of media. But when it comes to porn, we don't sort of talk about it. Exactly. And that's a problem. And that means that people are sort of, you know, you know, they're learning and they make it, you know, they're learning shit things from porn. I mean, I'm pretty sure I've learned some shit things from porn. I think we all have. Yeah. And fortunately I've been able to like move out of that. But, you know, I don't, I don't, I mean, there's porn that I've watched that makes me incredibly uncomfortable. And I worry that a young person would, would watch. And I think there's a lot of pornographers that don't think it's our responsibility to educate young people, like young people, because they're like, we're making stuff for adults. And I do understand that frustration. But for me, it's something that kind of keeps me up at night. So I think in making the stuff that I'm, I'm making this year, it's very much, I want to make sure that that's a part of it. Um, and yeah, it might take me a little bit more work and it might take a little bit more time and people might tell me to go fuck myself, but... But then you're doing it right and you're doing it justice. Yeah. And it's it's funny because I often, I often uh, comment on anal in porn. Mm. It is the most unrealistic anal that you'll ever see because they, you know, number one, just the, if you even take out the from penis or from vaginal to anal just back and forth and the whole mess of issues that that can cause in the flora and fauna of a lady. Um, just looking at the, the, the jump into it, like yeah. there's no, there's no warm up. There's no, yeah. it's just like, let's just go straight into it. And I think a lot of people see that and go, Oh, that that's how it must work. Mm-hmm. Because I remember my first partner when she and I tried anal, we didn't try lube. We, I mean, it was like, there was no... Because you didn't know. Because I didn't know. Yeah. I learned it from fucking porn. So I did, so I did porn, I did anal porn, right? I've done three anal porn scenes. And the reason, I, I'd done a smidge in my personal life. The reason I did with porn is because, uh, one of the reasons I shoot porn is because I'm an exhibitionist. So being on display turns me the fuck on. And as clinical and stuff as it might be behind the scenes to start off with, it's still a huge turn on. Um, and I, so I was like, look, I've, I've practiced, you know, I've used every size of butt plug that there is at this point. Let's just, let's fucking do it. Let's do it. The first, the first anal scene I ever shot with uh, my friend Ryan was for Aussie Us, and it was ridiculous because we had this food fight with a black forest cake beforehand, which unfortunately meant that when we did the anal, looked a bit sus. Oh, <laughs> I remember that and just being like, oh, God, what have we done? Um, but at the same time, hot as hell, I remember. I remember it so clearly because I was like, I walked hey, hey, in. some people are into that. Right? Yeah. So I was like, we ticked a lot of boxes that day. <laughs> but I also remember, like, walking in and being like, um, oh, God, the setup for that scene was so bad. It was like, Ryan, did you eat this cake? And he's like, no. And I was like, I don't know. It must have been the cake ghost or something. I would, and then... And then I just threw a, a bunch of cake at him. And then the next five minutes is just having a... And, like, I love Ryan. Like, Ryan James is just an amazing human, an amazing performer. And we've had so much fun together because we've shot together so much. One of my favourite scenes I've ever shot was a scene called Tease for Bright Desire that actually got um, an honourable mention in the Cinekink Film Festival over in New York. And it's because it was just... It was the idea that a guy could, like, strip down and, and tease his girlfriend as opposed to the other way around and it was in the sun uh, in my in my old apartment and it was so hot literally it was so hot like the sun <laughs> was shining in the window and we were sweating but but it was so organic because you know after getting a few oral shots they just let us go and it was so natural and it was so great yeah. and also there's a blooper reel and I get 
like a, a camera and some of my own geeky figurines fall on my head because Ryan pushed push me in a chair up against a bookshelf. That that blooper reel is on the internet. <laughs> you can find it. I'll link it to you. Oh, that would be great. There you go. That would be awesome. Um, and and this is a bit with Ryan. I'm going. Yeah, it was really hot. And, and Ryan's going. Yeah, like 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 literally. Because he's a man of few words. <laughs> but but this is the thing. So I did I did anal for some scenes. I did it for like fake taxi and fake agent and uh, and for Aussie ass. And um, it was like I figured out after those three scenes that I didn't really want to do it sort of professionally. After that, I was like, eh, it's just not happening. And I feel like maybe in the future I might get more into it. Um, because for me, it's like your your sexual interests change and grow over time. There's things that I'm into now that I wasn't into when I first Absolutely. started. Fighting. And I was going to say, and that happens on the personal level as well. Exactly. That, yeah. Because we've seen that even. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Between the two of us, there's mm-hmm. things that we're interested now in that we weren't interested in, yeah. you know, five years ago when we first started dating. Okay, so um, we've... I know I've said this in the past, but can you tell us, I mean, uh, since we're talking about anal porn anyway, uh, can you tell us, was there a lead up to, like, was there preparations that you did before the... Oh my God, like, I was swimming in lube. Yeah. You have no idea, like, this is the thing, and this is the frustration, like, um, I can understand why you don't necessarily want to have the whole lubrication, pro- like, I would say I over-lubed, <laughs> um, and some of that... I'm, I'm not sure ha- that's possible when it comes to anal. <laughs> right, <laughs> but it's like, there's some of that you want to you want to happen in private, right? right. You don't necessarily want to be on camera, because there's no way to make it look, you know, whatever, but I think we should have more, like, I know for a fact in those scenes, there wasn't like a, I'm going to put some lube on you, and it would have taken, like, nothing to have that in the scene but oh yeah oh yeah and the thing is I mean previously my experience with anal had been on other people like I'd done a lot of anal fisting because I have small hands so that was fine <laughs> we're, we're both wanting you to hold up a fist real quick yeah oh yeah you're right yeah. you start hands. with the yeah. ducky yeah. Yeah. and then you just work your way in right. so you know I was used to that and um and I actually really enjoy that. Like, this is, like, do you know what? Some people look at you like, how could you even enjoy that? It's just, I'm like, because some people, like. Some people like was, giving other people pleasure. You put your pleasure. fist in their butt and they lose their mind. And you're like, this is the most incredibly hot thing yeah. I've seen. I, I love fisting. Yeah, right? you, give, you give people pleasure. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I mean, that was, I think that was incredibly, okay, I'm going to tell you the kink story. Because I've been teasing the oh, kink story. Oh, yes, yes. I haven't yes. told you the she, kink story. She teased it all through dinner. Right? So here we go. So I, I've, I got into kink personally um, from when I was when I was 16. Um, Which I, I have to say that I'm very jealous of because we yeah. didn't get there until much later. Yeah. Like so you have many more years of fun on that. 35. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, it's, it's, I, I feel like we're at much the same level. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like... I um I got into the kink scene because I had friends in the kink scene and and they played a lot privately and what I was introduced to was the idea that the woman was submissive. So for a good 2 years I was submissive. And I was a gr- like I was a fucking great submissive. Like I did exactly as I was told and I enjoyed stuff like that because I enjoyed rough sex, right? So um I'd lost my virginity before then. Um, and I enjoyed sex. I just found being physically intimate with people really, really great. Um, 
And I'd, I'd been given the brunt of my sex education by friends who were like flamboyantly gay men. So they told me everything and they did not hold back. Um, and I was really fortunate in that because I was growing up in a place where I was going to a Catholic school and I was all a bit shithouse. Um, that being said, I did, I have, <laughs> I've given a blowjob in a church, um, Praise Jesus. Um, and <laughs> I was going to say, your, your sex education sounds probably very similar to what we had in the U.S., which right? was abstinence. Yes. Yeah, look, do you know what? And I wasn't even, I mean, I remember we had, we had a guy who came to the, the school to talk about. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Abstinence only, or to like how abortion was wrong, and I remember just walking out. Yeah. I was like, I need to go to the toilet and not come back. Because I was like, this is shit. This is absolute mm-hmm. shit. Um, so, you know, I was I was lucky in that I was spending time with people outside of that through, like, other interests I had and through friends outside of that that gave me more of a realistic sex education, perhaps a hyper-realistic sex, sex education. So I was fortunate. Um, you know, I, I learned what safer sex was from the very start. And that was really good. Yeah. Um, so I remember, you know, I was, I was, I was very subby and, and I had, you know, guys that came into my life who were doms who were great. And then I had some that were not so great. I was spending a lot of time, you know, at, at private events here and private events in Sydney. And, um, some people get really squicked out. They're like, Oh, but age. And I'm like, yeah, but I mean, you experience sexuality when you're a teenager, like you just, that's what you do. And sometimes you do it this way and sometimes you do it that way. And, um, I don't feel any negativity or concern about like the age at which I started to experience certain things. But my, 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 one of my best friends was, was gay and he had a female dom. Um, so he, he was gay, but he liked that he had this amazing, stunning, impeccably dressed dom who just belted the shit out of him. Anyway, he always said to me that he thought I was more dominant than I was submissive. Like, I could get everything right, and I think that was the thing for me. I liked getting things right. I liked being well-behaved. I liked doing the right thing. Um, because I was I was bookish, and that was, like, that was my jam. So he took me one day to see her, and I remember she had this, this male uh, submissive there at the time, and he was in a gimp mask, and he was shuffling along the floor on his hands and his knees, and he, he kept coming up, and I was wearing a really nice pair of brown leather boots that day, and he was shuffling around the floor, and he was quite, like, coming up, like, like, and I, I, I didn't think it was puppy play at the time, it was a little bit removed from that, but he was shuffling around, and she looked at me, and she said, look, if he bothers you, she's like, just give him, give him a nudge with your foot to the side, she's like, and he'll figure it out, she's like, as hard as you want, and I was like, 
I'm sitting there thinking, I couldn't do that. <laughs> anyway, he came up so many times, and her, and her and my friend were in this other room having a conversation about something. And he kept doing it, and he kept doing it, and then finally I just shoved him really hard with my boot, and I looked at him, and I pointed him in the face, and I said, no! And that was when my friend came out, and he was with his drum, and he, he looked at her, and he said, I fucking told you. <laughs> <laughs> so then I started to learn from her everything I knew and I have very specific interests like my interests don't range outside of like I'm interested in what I'm interested in I don't feel the need to go beyond that um, sometimes it comes into my professional life in the sense that I have clients who enjoy seeing me for specific things I love impact play I'm a sadist so inflicting pain makes me happy but only if the person I'm with is enjoy I'm um, okay okay I'll preface that. Sometimes they're not enjoying the pain, but they're at least down with the pain. So I enjoy that too. I'm not going to pretend like, I'm just like, only if they're enjoying it because, to be fair, sometimes if they're not enjoying it, that's great too. But But at some level, even if they're not actively enjoying it, they're getting something out of it. Exactly. Exactly. Correct. So when it's consensual and it's by by the by, that that makes me happy. But um, I love riding crops. I love floggers. I love paddles. These are my things. I never liked whips because my arms are short and I find it, like hard to wrangle them um you know and i you know pointy sharp anything great um i don't like sounding because i'm not you know i've tried it before and i wasn't very good at it and and uh, my my teacher tried to teach me about it and it just didn't stick so i stick to what i know um and i love that and i enjoy that and um you know, I don't, it's not something I'd say I openly advertise either. I have certain clients who I've built a really good connection with and we're able to enjoy that together. I couldn't just take on anyone. Because it's about trust. Yeah, and it's because yeah. I don't feel like I'm, I'm necessarily well-trained enough to do that. You know, people who are professional doms um, in the industry have learnt for a lot longer than I have um, and and are proficient in so many more things. And and I like to stay in my lane, which is like these things and these things only with the people that I know. But at the same time, if you have that relationship with someone and they have the trust in you Mm -hmm. and you have that rapport and you know each other's boundaries Mm -hmm. to some degree, then then that makes it very easy and very comfortable to do that. Yes, and I also just really love submissive men. Like, don't get me wrong, submissive women are fantastic and they make slightly cuter noises when you hit them with things. But submissive men... I make cute noise when I get hit. Heaven, right? yeah, you do. Yeah. This is true. I'm not saying submissive <laughs> men don't make cute noises. Um, but also, I think, I, I don't know, I think I have a penchant for the bratty sub, and women tend to be bratty subs uh, way more I than know, See, right? I like, can't oof. do the bratty thing. Yeah, the... He's had a bratty partner before, mm. and it was it was actually one of the few times that you were dom. Yeah. Um, I don't have patience for the bratty. Yeah. But my mom ran a daycare, so I know yeah. how to take care of the brats. I, I, I think <laughs> I've mastered this point where I've, I, can, I can look at someone with a raised eyebrow and a face that turns a brat into a quivering ball of mush. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it's taken me a long time. <laughs> but it's like, I'm sorry, what did you say? And the important thing for me is, like, don't, don't yell. You don't need to yell. You just mean, like, I'm not angry. 
just disappointed. Oh, you need that's to find worse. a way to deal with See, it. She has the like Southern Mama thing. Yeah, she does. Yeah. Bless your heart. Yeah. I'm, my, my honey, I'm not, I'm not angry with you. you know, Mama's just disappointed, and Mama's going to make you pay. Yes, yeah, so <laughs> and I think part of that is because I think the worst thing my mother ever said to me was like, I'm not angry. I'm not. Yeah. And, and I say this, people are like, where do you think you got this like dumb part of you from? I'm like, my mom. My mom's not in the scene. My mom doesn't do anything like that. But I feel like if she did, she'd be really good at it. And she scares the shit out of me. Um, I love you, Carrie. Please don't. So. No, my mom, she's just amazing. And I remember when I first got into kink and I was first doing kink professionally, she's like, you know, you, you get it all from me, don't you? And I'm like, yes. yes I, do. <laughs> I really do. Because I love that. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. And she's, she and my grandmother are um, incredibly supportive. And I think that, that, I mean, the default line we have is it's not necessarily what they would have chosen, uh, but I don't think anyone straight up. You know, I, I think I'm someone who's in the industry might have chosen it, but I don't think the family ever goes, well, when my child grows up, this is what they're going to do. But um, my mum's been to see me speak a few times at a few different events, and she was very much like, this is where you need to be. Um, and she also had the opportunity to meet a lot of workers who, you know, their, their parents didn't talk to them anymore. And she was able to, like, dish out the hugs and, and be be a mum. The supportive one. Yeah, yeah and that meant so much to, to both of us. Yeah. Um, it's so yeah. amazing to me how the, the life of a sex worker is so... And I'm, people are going to yell at me for saying this, but it's true. It's, it's similar family life, I should say, to mm. a sex worker. It's similar to the family life of gay, lesbian, yep. bisexual, transgendered uh, trans yep. uh, people in the States mm-hmm. where they, you know, are, are, it's very easy for the family to ignore them or pretend they yeah. suddenly don't exist, mm-hmm. which is horrific and which mm. will lead. So you, you brought up the activism. Mm. Um, one of the reasons that I think Angela and I both admire you is how well-spoken and, and passionate yes. you are about the protection of sex workers yeah. and the, their health and, and whatnot. Mm. Before right. we get into that yeah. and, and mm. into their rights, but before we get into that, I know a question that I asked you because mm. you were throwing around acronyms on Twitter. Yeah. This has probably been a year ago. <laughs> and I was like, I'm sorry. Swerf and turf sounds like the worst possible thing that you could it's order like the from worst a restaurant. Pub meal ever. Because <laughs> yeah. so, they have the surf and turf at like, uh, at like what is it, at pubs in Australia. Yeah. It's like prawns and like a steak. And a shitty steak. Yeah. Which I didn't realize how close it was to reality. But so yeah. swerf, S-W-E-R-F. Uh, sex work exclusionary radical feminist. And turf. Trans exclusionary radical feminist. And like, I know this is going to sound terrible, but it's comforting to me that they overlap because it means that you can just have at them for everything all at once. Because, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's often that people who are... It, basically, the implication is that their, sex, their, their feminism is not intersectional. And for, as if, in my opinion, the only way we go forward as a movement is if it's intersectional. Um, you know, or intersectional rather. Um, so yeah, I, I, I joke and I'm pretty sure plenty of people have made the joke. It's like the worst pub meal yeah. in the world. And I was like, I don't understand what she's talking about. <laughs> so I had to, I private messaged you yeah. because I didn't want to come out like a complete no. idiot, but I'm very happy coming mm-hmm. out as a complete idiot right now. Um, so I guess the, I mean, I have, I'm, I'm sure we both have a million questions. Mm. Do you? Well, you just, you mentioned the, the, 
we were talking earlier about the sex workers' rights and things, and mm. I know that there are some things on the table at the moment. Yeah. Specifically in the U.S. In the U.S. Yeah. particularly. So we're speaking to you, U.S. listeners. Pay attention. This affects all of you. Yeah. Okay, so we have SESTA and FOSTA, and effectively um, what they're being sort of pushed as by, like, mainstream celebrities like uh, Amy Schumer and stuff like that is that they're going to stop trafficking. So they're going to enable uh, people to like sue websites that may have willingly or knowingly um, promoted trafficking. So Backpage or even Twitter, you know, uh, it, it, it's supposed to be this really great thing and it's going to enable them to sue them and all this other stuff. But at the end of the day, it's not really what it does. Um, if you check out uh, certain like some people on Instagram that probably explain it way better than I am because mm-hmm. they're US sex workers and they have a better gleam on it. Um, so Miss N, um, Miss Andura, I'm, I'm probably getting the name Can wrong. Can you but spell it? M-S-A-N-D-R-R-E. Okay. okay. Um, and she's putting out some like amazing information, but effectively what it's going to mean is like, you know, if, if you're creating an environment where people can sue, um, certain websites for promoting, you know, uh, sex trafficking. It, it, it could apply to any number of websites and, and there's not a real sort of um, what I would call specific idea of, of what that means. So there's no delineation between exactly. these, not those. They're conflating, yeah. uh, like, if you, look at the, if you look at the actual sort of um, bills themselves, they're conflating consensual sex work with trafficking and basically that means that it could attack our ability to platform on things like twitter it could attack our ability to have advertising websites and a lot of the networking we do is online you know um a lot of the network we do to screen clients or just to to talk to each other and and mobilize is online and it looks like a lot of that could be attacked especially backpage as well um and the problem i have is that this bill doesn't acknowledge the fact that backpage has worked with law enforcement to try and help them uh, uh, sort of exactly. weed out yeah. uh, traffickers and stuff like that. So basically, if you're making it impossible, I, I, I think for me personally, what it boils down to is they think that if they make it impossible for them to advertise, it'll all just go away. My concern personally, okay, you make it impossible for someone to make money off this person anymore. What do you think they're going to do? Just let them go? Yeah. I don't think that's the no. case at all. No. They're going to kill them. Yes. Yeah. And then let's be realistic. The you know, I always try to... Con- like let's be real, uh, again mm. let's be realistic mm. most of the US revolves around church yeah. a very religious yes. country yeah. well, no matter what you believe the US is a very religious country um, this is the equivalent of deciding to go into church or being kidnapped and into a cult mm-hmm. um, both of them are religious yeah. happenings um, and it's just as likely. It's just as likely you're being trafficked as it is to be kidnapped and go to a cult. It is. I'm not saying we shouldn't try to stop this from happening. Yeah. But you're that's you don't shut down all church no. or all churches because you're afraid of you know a very small percentage. And using that analogy, it's very hard to or it can be hard to look at someone and know whether they are in a cult unwillingly or yeah. willingly going to a church. Yes. The, all it, you know is that they're there it would, without would, doing a lot, lot more research. Exactly. And what's frustrated me is like, I mean, they've made these attacks specifically on Backpage before. So MasterCard and Visa decided they wouldn't um, allow Backpage to use their services for adult industry ads. And what I found frustrating about that is if you look at the statistics in regards to how many people the Cook County Sheriff has actually got for trafficking, it's not great. Their stats are fucking terrible. And if they were using the fact that 
Okay, if, if what they say is true and that a lot of traffickers are advertising people on Backpage, why are you not investigating those ads? Yeah. Why yeah. are you not using that for what it could be? What you're effectively doing is sending the industry and by that notion, traffickers underground and making them harder to find. And then that makes it much worse for those who are actually being trafficked. Exactly. And a lot more difficult for those who are just trying to make a living. And the law as it stands means that someone who has been trafficked could actually go and be like, I was trafficked, here is where I am. But the likelihood is... They they would get in trouble for being a sex worker. So it, it, it's not helpful it's in any point. Victim blaming. At the yeah. moment, it looks like, you know, Sester and Foster are going to be on the floor next week. So if you have the chance to call your senators, by all means, like, go for it. Um, it would mean the world for us. If you enjoy the content that you see online from sex workers, do it. Because all the websites that we currently use could be attacked you know twitter only fans anything it could it could attack porn websites it could attack all sorts of stuff any ability we have to independently mobilize and engage with you could be attacked and it's it's really scary um it's it's really scary because a lot of that has to do with the fact that you know we we interact online to ensure our own safety yeah amongst other things and i find it incredibly frustrating you know, um, I mean, it's a lot of different social media websites and otherwise already discriminate against us, despite having made a lot of their money and having a lot of their traffic to do with us. Yeah, looking at you, Facebook. Yeah, right? So it's like, and I mean, oh, Twitter Twitter definitely locks out with the fact that we are so active and so mobile mm-hmm. on their websites. Um, a lot of people seem to think that shadow banning is more to do with the fact that there's a lot of traffic going on and it looks like spam and not to do with the fact that we're in the industry. And I personally don't believe that. I think many people are trying to get the industry, you know, offline as best as they can, but they don't want to acknowledge that they just want to kick people off the internet because that would make them look bad. I think, you know, you look at stuff like Foster and Sester and you look at stuff like the Swedish model. The, the idea is to make working in the industry so incredibly difficult that will just give up. And the thing is, some of us might do that, but plenty of us don't have the choice. We don't have the option of just giving up and moving on to another job. Some of us don't have another job to go to. Some of us don't really want to. A lot of people who work in the industry can't commit to the nine to five for any number of reasons. And they really enjoy what they do. Exactly. You know, I don't want to leave my job because I love what I do. I love what I do a lot. And I do more than, I mean, look, a lot of what I do is fucking, but a lot of what I do is talking and engaging with people who don't, you know, I, I meet so many people who want to, um, they come to me with fetishes or interests and stuff like that. And they're so riddled with shame, yeah. And they come to me and they're like, I'm into feet. And I'm like, well, I have feet. That's so great. Oh, my God, let's do it. You know? <laughs> and they're so shocked. And I'm like, fuck, no one should have to live this way. And people want to take away my ability to do that. And it upsets me. Um, you know? And it upsets me that they want to create an environment where workers are like, I am a privileged worker. Right? This is the thing. I work from home, you know, I am white, um, I have a lot going for me that other workers do not. And that's a fact. No one deserves to be unsafe in this industry regardless of how they work. No one at all. And it irritates me that their solution, the solution to the problem of the sex industry is that they just want to make it so difficult for us to work in the hope that we'll just go away. 
And we know from many, many, many other industries in the U.S.'s history that that will not happen. It drives them underground, and it makes it a lot less safe, much mm-hmm. more dangerous. Much more dangerous. Yeah. And the Swedish model in particular is, has proven that. Can yes. you explain the Swedish model for those at home who don't know what so it is? often, you know, uh, swerfs. Um, mm-hmm. will p- push the Swedish model and say, you know, we understand and we want to support sex workers because it's like we make... Um, the Swedish model doesn't criminalize workers. It just criminalizes their clients. And I'm like, let me get this straight. <laughs> you want to make our lives better by making it damn near impossible for us to work. Now, in Sweden, we're hearing reports of people who are having police officers camp outside their place of residence or work so that they can jump on clients when they leave a worker's home. We've got workers being kicked out of their homes because um, it's illegal to live off the proceeds of prostitution, so landlords could technically be fined, sued otherwise. Um, You know, we've had reports of people... Like, we had a report of a woman whose son who lived with her was charged. So this is this is the thing, you know, there, there is no clarity here. And we've had France adopt this model, this, this model. They're thinking of bringing this, you know, people are pushing for this model in Australia all the time in different states. And it's like, it's a sneaky, sneaky way of trying to just get rid of the industry in its, in its entirety. And I just sit there and I'm like, really? You know, um, the, the only model... The only model that is good is pure decriminalization. And that doesn't mean that we're all going to be footloose and fancy free and doing whatever the fuck we want. But it means that the police are able to help us because we are more at risk than anyone else of being abused, assaulted, raped, murdered. Um, And the thing is, when the assaults and murders of, of our community aren't taken seriously and someone goes out and they're on bail like in Melbourne and Victoria, and has the opportunity to murder someone else, like as what happened with Jill Ma. Now, her husband came out when that first happened and said, hey, you know, if someone had taken the assaults of these sex workers more seriously, this guy wouldn't have been on bail and he wouldn't have killed my wife. But since then, he's hooked up with an abolitionist group in, in Ireland to promote the message that real men don't pay for sex, they don't buy people. Now, no one fucking buys me. I'm sitting here in front of you. If someone had bought me, I probably wouldn't be. (laughs) Right? You make a very good point. Correct. So it's like if... Here's the thing. I perform services that involve the use of my body, and perhaps they're more intimate than, say, a masseuse or a nurse or anyone else who uses their body, but that's effectively along the same lines. I choose what parts of my body that I use. Some parts of my body I don't use. Anal. Um, But (laughs) this is the thing. I make these choices. And I, I love what I do. Now, I'm not going to say that everybody loves what, what they do in this industry. That would be um, a lie. Can you give me any industry in which everyone enjoys everything they Correct. do? Correct. Yeah, I, I can't. Correct. Yeah, I can think of my own colleagues, and, and half of us hate what we do half the time. Exactly. Yeah. But at the end of the day, whether we like what we do or not, we deserve to be safe in what we do. Absolutely. Yes. We deserve yeah. to to be supported in what we do. And the thing is, the in what we've learned now in... in We've had decriminalisation in New South Wales for quite some time now, and we had decriminalisation because of the Wood Commission, which found that it was impossible for police to, you know, um, look after us as well as, you know, be in charge of stipulating what the industry could and couldn't do, right? It just didn't work, and there was a lot of corruption. So they decided that decriminalisation was the best way to go 
right? Um, so it means that, you know, if I get assaulted, I can go to a police officer in New South Wales and have them take me seriously. I can't guarantee that in New South Wales or in Victoria. I can't guarantee that in Queensland. We've had many, many cases in Queensland of assault recently. And the first case that makes the news is that a sex worker uh, assaulted a client and that made the news. But we had countless, countless examples of otherwise and that didn't make the news. And that's a problem. So does that drive sex workers out of that area or does it just drive them more underground? It, I think it drives them more underground. I think I it means, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think it means that, you know, we go to each other for support and we're doing our best to, to support each other. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the laws differ everywhere and they're kind of fucked everywhere except New South Wales. You know, when you look at somewhere like, um, Queensland, you know, it's like you can't have a receptionist or an assistant. You can only have a message taker who knows only enough to keep you safe. But there's no real uh, consensus on what enough to keep you safe is, you know. And and we can't do certain services, you know, in, in Queensland, which again implies that we don't look after ourselves and then we don't have the knowledge to be able to make the decisions right. uh, that keep us safest, you know, I mean, they, they often stipulate in certain states uh, about services, including like uncovered oral and for, for stuff like that. And I sit there and I think at any given night in every, any given city in this country, someone is meeting someone from Tinder. Oh, yeah. And they're doing something that we would identify as unsafe. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think there's more than just... I, you might actually narrow that down to any given block or maybe at least any yeah. given suburb. This is um, the thing. Yeah. I mean... Our work is in is you guys involving, are probably much safer than the general public. We do, and there were yeah. studies done yeah. into into sex workers in New South Wales that actually stated that that stated you know the the rate of STIs amongst sex workers is lower than the general public, you know, and there's increases in STIs in the general public, mostly amongst older members of the community because they think just because we can't get pregnant we can do whatever the fuck we want. Our work is our bodies, mm-hmm. yeah. you know? Our work is our bodies, and it would be really silly if we didn't pay attention to that. And that doesn't mean there's not an, a margin for error or mistakes, but there's a margin for error and mistakes in, in everything. anyone and yeah. everything. Um, I get tested more than anyone I know. Um, part of that, you know, and, and the funny thing for me as well is that outside of having to do it for work, outside of doing that because I like to be a smart you know, sexual human being. I just really don't like being sick. Uh, that's really what it boils down to. And I don't know many people who do enjoy being sick. So yeah, we look after ourselves. We pay attention and we are probably better educated about sex um, education and about STIs than the general public by far. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, this is, this is a lot of our frustration. I mean, what can you do? So a couple of things that you said uh, rang uh, a bell with me. I recently listened to um, the February 23rd edition of the TED Radio Hour, which was on confronting stigma. Um, And so they had a sex worker and activist named Juno Mack from the UK. Um, And she said two things that struck really a a bell with me, which was the first one was um, what we need to do is stop worrying about if our daughters become sex workers, how to prevent that. And, how more importantly is how do we keep our daughters safe if they're sex sex workers? Exactly, and, and that's, it's a it's a slightly different perspective shift, yeah, but it's an important. It's extremely one. important yeah. because 
it's always going to be there. It is. Mm-hmm. I mean, they joke. It's the oldest profession. Mm-hmm. Well, they they say it's it is the oldest it is profession. For a it makes sense, Correct. and it will always be here. Yeah. No matter what you do, you cannot erase it. Yeah. One of that. the one of the things that always frustrates me is when people go, you know, they boil it down to simply like, "What would you do if your daughter?" And sometimes we even say this, you know, we are daughters, we are wives, we're mothers, we're family, and I'm like, that shouldn't matter. No, we're human beings. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and we're human beings and we deserve to be safe at work. And unfortunately, when we exist in a world that has uh, this notion that we are expendable and that we are less than, then that means that people will go into interacting with us thinking they can do whatever, do whatever, like whatever they want. So it means that someone will come to see me and think that they can do whatever they want to me and they will get away with it because society doesn't really give a shit. And, you know, I used to be, you know, in the course of the activism I've done in the last few years, I've been very much like, I want to explain to people, I want to be patient, I want to be understanding. And now I'm just pissed off because, you know, and it makes people uncomfortable because I will say things like, we're dying right now. You know, we've got porn stars dying in the States. We've got sex workers in Queensland and other parts of Australia being assaulted on the regular. And no one seems to care. But... You know, and I got, I remember I got a lot of shit online once because I said, well, if it was a good girl, then they'd all give a shit. And, and I hate putting it that way, but that's the thing. It's not only just sex workers. If a woman is sexual. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. If a woman is open and honest and upfront about her sexuality, then it's like, well, look at what she was wearing. Look at what she was doing. It's not just us. This impacts broader than just us, and it is a stigma that exists against women that are sexual all the world over, and that's a problem. Well, it, it goes back to the it, it's patriarchal. patriarchal. Mm-hmm. You know, it's because the patriarchy. You know, and I hate. Mm. I'm stealing this from uh, from buffering. You know, the vampire slayer. Yeah. But, you know, they're always, you know, singing about or fighting about fight the patriarchy. And that is, it's very much that. It's that, you know, women who are confident and who are sexual and mm-hmm. who, you know, it shouldn't matter how you dress. You know, if if guys can't be, can't control themselves based on mm. what you wear, then that's mm. that's the problem with the guys, not with the females. Mm. But if you flip that and you say that, you know, because a woman is sexual and confident and, you know, whatever, that... that that it's acceptable for whatever happens to her. What about guys who are the same way? Is, yeah. is it, it? It's not the same for the guys. If you flip that completely, then people would not exactly. accept that. And the thing, the thing yeah. that I like to remind people is people... So I'm a feminist, um, quite comfortably so. I often get a lot of shit. They're like, oh, you know, like some guys will think that I'm not a feminist because I'm so open about my sexuality and stuff like that. And some people will be like, oh, well, you shouldn't be a feminist because you're contributing to oppression against women by the industry you're in. One, fuck you. Two, Two, stop going to fucking movies. Right? But the other thing about it is the patriarchy affects everyone. When we talk about assault and assault committed by men, assault committed by men is not only committed against women, it's committed against men too. Right? We have a problem with the way we identify um, lord masculinity in this country patriarchy doesn't just affect me as a woman it affects men and people come to me and they often think I'm just gonna be like fuck men I have men that I love I have men that are lovers I have men that are friends I have men that I would like I would die for the family they're family and I love them to pieces and the way that society expects them to act and the way that society treats them is despicable 
You know, they are not given the opportunity to be open about their feelings, about their sexuality. You know, they're expected to perform a certain way. And that's fucked up. So when I talk about patriarchy, I'm just talking, like, I'm not just talking about how it affects me. I'm talking about how it affects the men that I love. And people will come at me sometimes and think that I'm just going to be like, oh, yeah, I'm just some radical feminist. Fuck men. I love men. (laughs) Men form a very great tapestry of my career and otherwise, you know, and... I am in, like, my partner is a man, you know, so if I really hated men, we'd probably be in a really fucking awkward situation, wouldn't we? (laughs) It wouldn't make much sense at all, but this is what people don't understand, and I find it, look, I honestly find it hilarious, because I will go to events, I'll go to, like, situations in which I'm asked to talk, and people from, like, MRA groups will come up and be like, oh, you feminists and men have issues too. And I'll be like, yeah, I totally agree. The suicide rate as it regards to men is, it, it, particularly in Australia, is terrible. The way the family court treats men is horrific. Now, in this case, when, when I was growing up and, and the family court, you know, I was involved with the family court, I should have been with my mother. My father wasn't a great person. But there are times when it is unbelievably the opposite, and that is terrible. Yes. And they look at me. And they can't say anything because they're expecting me to just be like, oh, fuck all the men. No. You know, the people I know that do the most for men in in communities and that do the most for the mental health of men and who look after all men, including trans men, they don't call themselves MRAs. Mm. So I'm quite comfortable interacting with them. But I think... That's it's it's a cause of much frustration for me because the patriarchy really fucks with everybody, no matter who you are. Yeah, I would agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unless you're old and white. I mean, then you're, <laughs> then you're sweet, aren't you? No probs. Kidding, kidding, kidding. Those fuckers <laughs> no, have prostate problems. No. <laughs> uh, so, do you have any other questions? I mean, we could go on and on and on for hours, I'm sure. Um, and I think that that we would definitely love to have you back on if you'd like to be on again. Yeah. Hey. Hey. Did you have any? I think we've covered a lot for tonight. We really have. It's, it's been great. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so where can people find you on the interwebs and Twitter verses? So you can find me on Instagram as Lucy B official and that's Lucy L U C I E B W E official. Um, I post the censored stuff there. If you go to Twitter, it's like a pornographic free-for-all. So go to yeah, Lucy B. Twitter. Triple <laughs> X, which is how we met. Uh, L-U-C-I-E-B-E-E, triple X. Um, but I will say, if you don't vote no for Foster and Sesta, you may not find me on Twitter oh. in all my pornographic free-for-all for too much longer. Um, Sad face. Please. Vote no. Call your senators. um, Do what you can. Every little bit counts. And we appreciate you and we appreciate what you do. Um, If you find me on Twitter, I talk a lot about mental health and stuff like that and um, openly about a lot of different things. And um, I think that's really important. So uh, feel free to message me and talk to me about that stuff because I, I always have time for people no matter what. That is absolutely true. Mm-hmm. 
Excellent. Thank you so, so much. It's been like exciting and honor and yay. You fed me. Thank yeah. you for feeding me. <laughs> Anytime. See, I know how to get to be, you know, you just yes. open the kitchen and you know people, <laughs> people will come. Um, so thank you guys very much for listening. Uh, we are by the by podcast. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at by the by podcast. Email us your questions, comments, rude remarks. If you have a special question for Lucy for next time you come on, uh, next time she comes on, and you're too shy to ask her yourself, yes. do you, it. You can email us. I want <laughs> at, all the questions. By the by at gmail.com. Or, I'm sorry, the ad, I don't even know what our fucking address is. <laughs> See, I'm all flustered, flustered now. Um, the Adams of Love at gmail.com. That's our email address. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. You want to say anything else? In your website? Office? You forgot the website. Yeah, the website. Yeah. <laughs> www.bythebye.com.au. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, my God. Go to the Pendulum Party. It's hot as hell. Yes. Yeah. The next one is May 18th is the next Pendulum Party. So that's a good time for anyone who is bisexual, bi-curious, just wants to play a little more openly with their partner, kind of watch and see if you and your partner are into it or what's going on. That's a great night at our secret spot here in Sydney. Yep, and then on Um, May 25th is our first, the first, it's not our first, it's our secret spot's first femme party, ladies only. There will be no men in the building the entire night. I'll be it. Both. <laughs> <laughs> there you have it, folks, right here. Uh, Lucy B. Yeah. Uh, but it's going to be such a good night, both of them. They're yeah. different atmospheres, different crowds, but I so look forward to May. Will, 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 yeah. you, will you be there? And oh, yeah. At, at both of them? <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. cool. I'll definitely be at both of them. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So good. May, May 18th and May 25th at our secret spot. Woo. See you guys soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.